HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to heritageradionetwork.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Oh, and I'm asking you, can 
you still love me after all the hell that I put you through? Oh, I was man enough to break your heart, baby. I'm the king, and they're never gonna take me alive. Take me alive. Take me alive. Sound. That is like the thinnest applause sound, Jack. Yeah, that was the wrong one. Sorry. Yeah. Well, there are only. It's more like this. Though. And I'm not applauding. Oh yeah. There, there we go. go. There we go. Uh, hey, everyone in the restaurant. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, aka Terry Diabolic, sipping on coffee, eating pizza, being serenaded by the great Ramesh. Is it Ramesh like Madonna? Uh, yeah, it is now. Yeah. Love it. Uh, you may recognize that sweet, sweet voice and insightful lyrics from his previous band, Voxtrot. And now you're doing the solo thing. Yeah, well, luckily I have a name that can work solo. Not all of them. Well, I think, well here, not in India. In well, India, I'd be screwed, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think is, also... Is uh, like John? Uh, not like John, maybe like Peter. No, I don't oh, know. Okay. Something like that. I think, but also you've been DJing and doing a lot of stuff on your own for a while that people know who you are. I hope so. I know who you are. Yeah, that's good. We've been buddies for a while. Well, at least four people know who I am, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Greg, how you doing over there? I'm good. Um, it's good to see you. It's good to see, I mean, see, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Now you've been back in New York off and on for a Maybe month? five. Weeks? Yeah, five, five or actually almost six weeks, but I left to Philadelphia for a bit and then. I love that when I randomly texted you on Saturday night, you were just in the other room at the same party. That was a weird moment of psychic synchronicity, wasn't it? I was it? like, I wonder what Ramesh is up to. He's like, I'm at the Woolly. I was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> um, so how are things going? So tell us about the new project. What are you working on? It's, well, we've. I've almost finished the entire album, basically, but being indecisive like I am, I keep kind of making and remaking things. But I've got about ten songs that are completed, and then five of which came out as an EP sort of secretly the other night. I just want... uh, go, Please do explain. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's weird. In the age of internet advertising, it's the ultimate way to really publicize yourself for free, but I was just so last minute getting everything finished that I kind of... I'm releasing it to the other music web store, and I just posted it the other night, and I sort of put the link in a few places, but haven't really... Does that conflict have... with the other music release? What do you mean? Wait, sorry, I thought you meant other music as in, like, the record store. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I did it. They have a web store. Right, okay. So I just... You I just mean... upload it? Are you upload it? Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's there right now, actually. How does... Uh... <laughs> Do people know about it? I don't think so, not yet. Well, then this is another Snacky Tunes debut. <laughs> this is actually, this is the release, I guess maybe even tonight is kind of a release show, but I, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but you're right, it is. Wow. I just didn't think, you know, it's weird because you can do things so quickly that I had all these deadlines and then things were taking a lot longer and then I finally had it on Saturday night and I'm like, okay, here it is. Well, there you go. There you go. I, I didn't. So if you want to download it, you can. Where would you go to download it? Well, I, you would go. Well, you could go to the official Ramesh Facebook page. Has a couple of links to it. It's also on my linked from the Twitter account. And then I, if you go to the other music store, I think if you search Ramesh, it probably will be the only thing that comes up, unless there is the. I don't know. They have a giant. They have a Iranian. giant. Yeah. Indian trance Goa. Um. <laughs> Well, no, keep this. going. This is a good stuff. That's, that's all I got. Yeah, what so, else comes in that genre? So I don't know. So I want to ask because you know we haven't talked about it. Um, Box Shark ended, and then I saw you again when you you did a couple shows and a final tour. But what have you been up to like the last year, year? two years? It's only been a year. Well, I mean, Vox Trend ended on June my birthday, so June twenty sixth last year, and then I started recording. Happy, happy birthday! Happy birthday! I know. Well, it was kind of. Yeah, emotional, but but sort of, let's say bittersweet. Um, yeah, but actually starting the week after that, I started recording the solo stuff. So I've been uh, pretty much working on it solidly for a year. I mean, and you know, I know you started off as a teacher back in the day. Did you go back to teaching or just odd jobs? Or No, I've been working in a restaurant. What's the position? As the, well, I guess officially it would be maitre d', right? 
Well, guy. I don't know. I haven't been to your restaurant. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, in my head, I was self-checking with myself. I mean, Austin, you know, it's casual. You don't really have things like that. But, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a above, nice restaurant. I so. mean, I was a host at Red Robin back in the day. I would never. You were come. a host. I started as a host. Worked my way up to busboy. That's right. Isn't that working your way down? I think that's backwards, right? <laughs> well, more money. Yeah, less prestige. Yeah, they didn't quite see me at the front door when they walked in. I was just putting like greasy baskets into a <laughs> black plastic tub. I well, yeah, I used to be a busboy also, and actually, I think I did technically make more money, which is really depressing. Yeah, I mean, but it's know. just to, I don't know. It's a hard job to have busboy. It's, I mean, like, they're literally clearing people's. There, there's literally no glory in it. No, not I don't at all. think there's like any. Type uh, there's there's glory. No day of work. Good day of work. Okay, yes, but yeah. the do or die guys are saying, yeah. What's the glory in being a busboy? Extreme carries, dude. Like you get like a stack of plates, like as <laughs> tall as yourself, and you like deliver them successfully. You know. Um. All right. Bragging rights. Yeah. To other busboys. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, uh, I bet you there are busboy competitions. Like best in which what happens? Cl- extreme carries, cleaning, uh, delivering of whatnot. Oh and man! Barista competitions. Yeah. Oh, that's. I'm true. gonna. I'm actually. I'm gonna. I'm, gonna, I'm going to the web on this one. But the bus um, by one, you'd have to make a mess and then be like, clean it up. If there aren't, we're gonna start one. There yeah. We go. <laughs> I. I mean. Okay. So, for Voxtrot, you were writing for five. Uh, there. Uh, just so you know, there is. Um, there isn't one, so okay. Do or dime busboy competition 2012 coming up. <laughs> yeah. So so back to Voxtrot. Back no, to not, not that. I want to talk about the songwriting process because okay. it's you know how has it evolved from you know the previous projects to what you're writing for what you're writing now. Well, I guess I mean it's still even with Voxtrot. It was that I would come to them with the song like what like what is happening here sort of, and then. We would build it together. I mean, now I, I still am collaborating with people, so that still happens. But I guess I have – it's like more of a more of a dictatorship and less democratic. I like to say benevolent monarchy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really nice actually. Have you found though that um, – because I found that a lot of times, especially in groups like that, there is some sort of good output that comes from creative tension and different ideas. Do you miss that a little bit, or do you find that you're just happy just to do exactly what you want to do? Well, I, no, I still get it sometimes. That's the thing. I mean... And then they're banished. Depending on who I... <laughs> they're banished. Yeah, depending on who I'm working with, then I, it still happens. You know, I haven't... It, like, the more I do it, the more I think that it will become exactly what I want it to be. And eventually I'll find exactly those... In the future, a second album, whatever, those exact right collaborators that happen throughout history where... Yeah. A great partnership, but right now, I mean, it's cool being able to because there were lots of things with Voxtrot, especially at the end, because it was so democratic that I think it lost a little character because everybody everybody had so tried. much say. Whereas in the beginning, it was more like I think, and I think probably the do or don't guys can speak that when everybody wants to be the cool guy, everyone wants to get along, stuff gets lost. You know, it's yeah, sometimes it, you just need that asshole to come and be like, "This is how we're doing it." Oh yeah. <laughs> Were you nominated or did you self-nominate? It's just a natural order of things. <laughs> I think you do. I, I think I think at some point you just need, in a, especially for the creativity to flow, you need someone to be a leader at some times. Well, I mean, I think that you can have um, you can have different types of you know constructive group process, but it, you don't have to be nice about it. It's like I mean I mean that, I don't know how to say it. it's like it's like yeah like we'll try that and you're like wow we just wasted twenty hours on an idea that didn't yeah. really work as opposed to be like that's like I hear your idea it's not it's gonna not work working. it's not working like like this is I mean it's weird to say it but like it's business yeah yeah or it's not like the right brand direction or the band direction or anything that's like I'm sorry we call it a rabbit hole in the studio oh is that what it is <laughs> well yeah when you end up wasting like four hours when nobody has the nerve to be like no it's it's not good it's so <laughs> weird because you always think you're gonna be that guy who's like, it's like I'm just gonna go in there and hit, get it done <laughs> And then you you know and they're like oh I don't know I don't know I don't know <laughs> yeah but now it's just you, I mean so when you do the recording how much of it is you recording and you know verse is, is, do you bring the people who play live with you in or do you record a lot of stuff yourself um actually I'm gonna hired a lot of people to play on the album weirdly almost none of them are the uh, actually a couple of them are the people that actually play in the live band but I mean some of it was some of the guys from Voxtrap and not really that much um. Yeah, but I do play more than I did on the on the Vox Trot, I pretty much only played guitar or whatever the thing is that I played live on stage. 
That sweet, sweet vocal pipe. That sweet, sweet. I'm still playing that. Yeah. All right, well, let's hear it. Let's okay. Hear song. Actually, uh, next song is was the very last Vox Trot song, but is the only one that I still play because I feel like you need a bridge. Well, I just it was at the end, and it was it was actually kind of the thing that started with me writing the string parts and stuff that changed it a little bit for me and made me want to do solo things. So it's the only song I. It's take like with uh, me. the Breeders Pod record, which were all like pixie songs that Kim Deal never never got to put on the albums. Yeah, maybe. All right, fine. I mean, yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. I know music, whatever. Do you spend your whole life trying to get back home? Or where do you go? Unfold you in a coat of chrome The feeling show And what do you know Tell me what do you know What do you know About where I come from What do you know Tell me what do you know About who I am When I see you naked I see more than flesh Do you see the same thing Entertainment value No, I couldn't care less The feelings high And you were so young, baby You were so young Dragging your feet in the face of creation I was so young, yeah We were so young And still there was you The center of me And still there was you The center of me And I don't know you, baby You don't know me we are just victims of the same situation Baby's big war, tell me what you die for We were just born to lose this life When you, <laughs> wow! Oh man, the one hand. Uh, when you play that, do you think like this is a box art song? Or do you think this is a Rame song? I don't know. I guess probably a. I don't know. For to me, they're indistinguishable. Right. Sort of. I mean, are the themes generally the same? Are you singing about the same thing, or is it just changed because you've gotten older and yeah, perception? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I think. I think like that song to me is more. Is more like in keeping with what I'm doing now and want to do, but I guess it is a Vox Trot song. But what is it? And and but the problem is that I mean it's it like at the end. I mean we'd already lost one member, not like death, but I mean <laughs> we Jared quit. So I don't know. It was a lot of me in the studio, kind of trying out the things that I wanted to try. But sorry, what were you asking? No, I'm just saying like where the like how the evolution has gone from like. Do you still see it as a Vox Trot song, as a May song, or is like you would have probably written a song like that with the themes just because 
it's you and you're doing this mean songwriting about the mean songwriting. I think C. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I that think uh, C is the correct answer. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right now it's there's so little time in between the two things that that connection is still going to be there. That's true. Um, so we've had other bands in here that have like gone through second reincarnations or gone to the next project. Is there anything that you see about you know thinking that you would do differently this time or approach things differently oh, yeah. this way around? And so many things. I mean, I guess, I guess I would not take things for granted. Like I wouldn't like. I mean, although we worked really hard, Voxtrot, to get to a certain. But after a certain point, like you get burnt out, and so you be you have a bad attitude, and you take stuff for granted, and you don't realize that it's really special to have a career in music. You forget that basically and you become resentful of it. But now that I'm like really passionate about it again and I'm happier again, I see that it was a really wonderful thing and I don't, I wouldn't this time around, I won't lose that. um, It's it's tough on the first time around to have that perspective. Yeah. I mean, you get really into a culture of deserving just like, that everything that comes to you is just something well which you do deserve it if you work really hard but i don't know you're just not really very thankful i don't think but this time around i would see try and see the joy in it always instead of the opposite i mean i mean you're also really young it's not like we're talking about yeah you're like you know in your late jeff bridges and crazy heart (laughs) yeah exactly well i mean Uh, i can't i cannot wait to see you at that stage well hopefully that won't be my life at that stage (laughs) Wait, you you can't wait to see him like washed up alcoholic? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just like, just like, I'm I, Texan. No, yeah, no, no. Like, Texan. like, yeah. Uh, old, old Ramesh, like okay. seventy-five-year-old Ramesh. Well, hopefully that one is dignified and financially secure and well respected. I see you in a suit or some white chinos or something like that. I can see that. I already have white chinos. So, so, uh, so, so be- put them in the closet. <laughs> so being bring a- them out in four decades. Up in New York, uh, what do you like to eat when you get up here? Because you're really spending time between here and Austin. So, what do you when you're up here? What do you miss from home? Um, to be honest, I I don't really miss. That, I know the correct answer for everybody from Austin is I'm supposed to say breakfast tacos no or barbecue or something like that. But I never eat those things, so not that I'm against them. Uh, but here I have been... I'm trying to think where I've been that I thought was amazing. I've eaten at this restaurant, this Italian restaurant in the Lower East Side called Sauce that I thought was really good. Twice. Uh, I've been to... I don't remember. I went to Baltazar the other night. But I don't know where all the exciting new things are. I only know of these. Do or dine, Bushwick, yeah. Yeah. So right there. Yeah, right there. You're sitting, sitting next to right there. Next you're to sitting. Me. And you're, I mean, and you're also sitting in. Uh, you're also sitting in the really exciting area of Roberta's. Well, maybe the problem. I mean, the place I'm staying is in Manhattan. Maybe everything exciting and new is actually in Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know anything exciting new is happening. Really, that's the case. But I'm a. I mean, I like food, obviously. But I'm not a. Uh, I don't know that much about it, though. Like, I know when I think something is good, but I'm not really up to date, I guess. But this is my chance. So you mean music, man. No problem. Okay. <laughs> you just gotta know what you like. Um, so I know that you need to get out of here because you gotta go sound check. Yeah. So do you just want to give us, like, the nuts and bolts so people can find you and where they might be able to get tickets for the show tonight? Or buy your album. Or buy it on the other music website. Or you can go to... Is it on iTunes? No, because that, well... Whatever, it's boring and logistical. It takes forever to get something on iTunes. That's the only problem. Got it. But it is on the other music website, and you can't just download it unless you don't live in the United States, and then you're screwed. So. I mean, and by the way, if you're listening internationally, hey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but you can stream it, and probably when people download it, within about four days, you'll be able to steal it really easily. So I wouldn't worry about it. Gotcha. Uh, all right, so we're going to win the show for tonight. So is is tonight... At the Mercury Lounge, uh, doors are at eight thirty. First band, also an Austin band. Who? Feathers. Well, actually, the singer, the front woman, used to, was from here, and she was in a lot of dark. Like, I think her last band was called Cruel Black Dove. 
Wow. Well, it's like uh, yeah, it's yeah. like a bad like '90s band from a '90s movie. They're good. Well, I mean, it, I would say I, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that it was goth because I'm so badly informed about goth. I guess food and goth things I don't know anything about. But uh, but they're good. It's a bunch of you probably know lots of the girls in the band actually. Who's in there? Alex Gehring, Ringo Death Star. You know her? No. Okay. Let's not do this on. Let's not do this. Let's do this on the air. This could go really. You're like, no, I don't know any of them. Let's not do the. Um, so it's tonight, and what time do you go on? <laughs> I go on at 10.30. They're at 9.30, we're at 10.30. Great. All right. It's going to be awesome. I think we go to Punjabi across the street. Is that a restaurant? Yeah, it's like a cabbie haunt. It's my people. My Pretty auntie, much. Right? Uh, so we're going to hear one more song from Ramesh, and then we're going to play a couple songs, uh, and then we'll speak into Do or Dine. Uh, live, Snacky Tunes, Heritage Radio Network. What's the last, Come on, the last put song? put a little oomph into that. That is. Puke them in. Puke them in. I just puked it out. Puked it out. Puke, we learned from DJ Gina Turner that that's the like coming at you live on Snacky Tunes. It's called a puke voice. Yeah, <laughs> that's really terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, so what's the name of the last song? It's called Requiem. It's the last song on the EP. Actually, let's see if I can puke this out. Wouldn't really work with my vocal style. And you asked me what I live with that. Ghost in the house Yeah, I would trade One year of fear For that Old feeling And my love for you Parades in this room Refusing to leave Hoping to weave my way Into the hours And you can fall asleep Oh, you can fall asleep But I'm always gonna watch you fall asleep But I'm always gonna watch you, that's me I love you with that wild love I love you with that love And the rainbow dances with Christ on the wall The requiem breaks the devil who falls And I'm free, I'm free from the pulling force I'm free from the grasp of that beautiful girl She was part of my world before I was changed Changed from the voice into the living thing And please let it be You still see him in me Two hands to play a song for the dead Oh, a requiem for the one who walks through me And you can walk through me Like God and the angel who shelters back From the beast on the hill And I'm running, I ran across the killing I ran across the killing Madonna loves me, Madonna holds me, Madonna dies, Madonna unfolds in me now. I can't believe in nothing, and I can't believe in nothing. And you stand before me in a big dream, asking all you stand in my bed. gonna love you that's me i love you with that wild love yeah i love you with that love a requiem for the boy who needs a requiem for the child who feeds from the breast i can't believe in nothing
dream. It stirred me up and made me shout. And sometimes I forgot about the way the wind blows in and out of the cottonwood trees. And oh, it's easy to lose your mind. I might have lost mine if I hadn't found you. The avenues, the boulevards, businesses and schoolyards, shopping malls and motor cars, all in one scene. The lowest lows and the highest highs, the meanest noise and the lullabies, the poison and the compromise, the unspoken scream. And oh, it's so hard to find your place. I never found mine if I hadn't seen your face. And you can be. Mr. Keaton, I'll be blossom, dearie. We can see the world so clearly. You'll color the gray way. I will sing you songs all day. The decay will just turn to bloom as we look at the good old-fashioned moon. Split me like a log in a mill. Half of me happy, the other half ill. But I feel myself warming to the old neon chill. I still feel a longing, but it's chased by a thrill. And oh, it's so hard to find your place. And I never found mine if I hadn't seen your face. And you can be my boss, the Keaton. I'll be blossom, and dearie, we can see the world so clearly. You'll color the gray away. I will sing you songs all day. The decay will just turn. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. I know you think it's bad for you. I think- 
Uh, I'd love to welcome to the show guys from, I would say, Kindred. If we had, if we had a restaurant, I would hope that we could be Kindred Restaurant Brothers. For sure. Uh, but mm-hmm. the boys from Do Our Doin, I want you to introduce yourself and say your respective roles in your said restaurant. Um, Luke Jackson, I'm kind of worrier in chief. Oh, WIC, uh, beautiful. Yeah. WIC. Uh, yeah, essentially, yeah, I do all the, uh, the bullshit work. <laughs> okay. But I also run the bar with my wife. So. Awesome. I'm Justin Warner, and uh, I'm a Pabulum director, which is uh, basically uh, with my partner, George, who's the advanced prototype. We uh, basically decide what uh, stays, goes, flies, and is served in the kitchen. And uh, who is Perry, who can join us? Perry's uh, my very old friend who uh, essentially came to me a, a while ago and wanted to start a restaurant. He's a designer. So he designed and built the restaurant and financed it for the most part. Um, but operationally, he's kind of a silent partner. So. And uh, I did actually know what gurgling guts was. Oh, really? I, I remember it. You remember yeah. it was like those brains, a little squeezy, like blood. For like stressed out 13-year-olds? Yeah, he yeah. invented that back in the nineties. Are you serious? Yeah, he's got that. He's got that gurgling guts money. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, exactly. that's that's uh, a <laughs> that that and a bus token will get so, you right on a bus. So, what is the story of Duradine, as as you were telling us over the break? Well, essentially, yeah. I mean, I was working with Justin and George at the Modern, um, and Perry had been bugging me for a couple of months about starting a restaurant and. Yeah, I I don't know. I was always in the restaurant industry because I'm a painter, kind of s- to support my painting. And uh, I don't know. I just figured, you know, Justin and George have a, a very novel approach um, to understanding food, kind of more from a linguistic standpoint almost. Um, but it was very novel. And, and we basically, Justin was doing pancakes uh, outside Perry's uh, jewelry shop kind of a la minute on the street for people. Wicked pancakes. Yeah, wicked pancakes. Uh, what what were some of the variations of pancakes? Well, I, it spawned out of this thing. I did this show called 24-Hour Restaurant Battle, and so I made a basically, like, I hop on drugs. And uh, it was like, so we did, like, uh, I know I did, like, everything with a compound butter and a weird jelly. So, like, we did uh, just regular old pancakes, but with pumpkin butter and coffee jelly. Nice. So it was like that, that, that weird Starbucks drink, but all in one, you know? And so you're at, like, Perry's Art opening. You have a couple of things of wine, and then there's a guy outside making pancakes that tastes like that Starbucks thing. Ready to rock. Ready I remember to rock. One, was, one was sweet pea pancakes with uh, kumquat, uh, kumquat jelly and uh, uh, curry butter. Yeah, that, that was, was the good. bomb. That was very good. Wow. It was basically like if you take like the flavors like of samosa and then instead of uh, what do you call those? That tamarind juice, yeah. you know, instead of the tamarind juice, it just went the kumquat route. Wait, 24 hour restaurant. That was like the they tried to make like restaurant restaurant challenge from Top Chef into an actual TV show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I got to like fight with my partner at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got paid to fight? No, oh. but I mean, that was just kind of how it happened. You know, got it. Those shows are geared to prod people. Yeah, I mean, if you just if you're just you're that close to somebody and you're working together and you're up for more than in their face for like more than twelve hours, it's just bound to yeah fight. Mm-hmm. So then I guess what after that we kind of just got tired of getting drunk at Midtown Manhattan bars saying I wish we had a restaurant. I wish we had a restaurant. Why why don't we do this? And then finally we I guess we came here uh, to, the to four Roberto's of us, to yeah. Roberto's yeah. And we were, like, sitting there, and we were having a good old time, and then, like, we see, like, Eric Repair sitting at the table next to us, and we're like, you know, damn it, if these guys are doing it, and Eric Repair is here, then if they're doing it in Bushwick, we can do it in Bed-Stuy. Yeah. And, and, that- and we knew, like, I'd, I've lived in Bed-Stuy now for, like, eight years, and Justin and George have been living there about three and a half, and we knew, we knew the neighborhood well enough that it was the exact right time to do it. Yeah. So. And so then how did you find your space? Because the, the, uh, the facade is really interesting. Yeah, the space was there. Honestly, like, we did it through Craigslist and through a realtor, even though it was rent by owner. We should have just gone through rent by the owner because the real estate guy screwed us. Out of two Gs, that would have yeah. been that would have been our air conditioning. Three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it was just – it was faded, you know. It was just there. And it was perfect because the landlords – the son of the landlord lives on the top floor, and they own – as a family, they own a restaurant. 
Oh. Um, so are they sympathetic? Yeah, they're very sympathetic. Yeah. And it's fantastic. That's actually. great. You yeah. come in there and you're talking like, yeah, I'm going to do some foie gras stuff, be the first people to do like, you know, duck in bed And the guy's like, huh? You know, yeah. versus like, I want to make a mustard factory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was really great. And so uh, how, was, uh, how was the process from saying, we want to do this, we have the building, to when you first opened the doors? What was that like? It, and how long was it? There, I mean, it's kind of a... Uh, kind of a, there, it, there was a lot of problems as there always are in something as complex as starting a restaurant in New York City, but I think the process could have been far worse. Um, we had a somewhat blessed experience in that everything seemed to come together fairly well. I mean, we had some setbacks. Uh, for instance, we didn't get our liquor license for even though we were set up to get it on the day that we opened. There was some last minute crap with our uh, our liquor license attorney they, they didn't really do a fantastic uh, job that way so we we lost our whole first summer with a liquor license but you know we eventually got it and now we're doing what we're doing but essentially everything really kind of fell into place very well also uh, you know the, it was kind of a, a little bittersweet byob is like a great way to get people like jazzed about coming in and if they find out that you have really good food and they don't have to pay like exorbitant prices for booze then like we had people like within four weeks of opening bringing in like you know shambol moussigny you know like we're like what the hell dude we're like deep frying deviled eggs up in here like you like think that like you can just like ball burgundy okay yeah, we had the we had the president of uh Laurent Perrier. Laurent Perrier come in. And <laughs> really? she came in like, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I even I even made like a a la minute wine cart. <laughs> like, yeah, out of like, some two by fours and a stump. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the food a little bit because the food is sort of what got you noticed mm-hmm. on a like national and respected level because it's, it's, it's out there in a way that some people would might call bullshit on, but it's really good. And how do you guys toe the line of having these creative things um, that could be written off but actually have them being written about? Well, you know, how do you do it? I don't know. I think that's kind of our our forte. And I I don't necessarily know. You know, um, I can tell you this. George and I aren't the most gifted cooks in the world uh, at all. We still have a lot that we have to learn. But I think what we're good at doing is uh, kind of figuring out, you know, I don't know if you know that like that cowbell thing. It's like, yo, I, sometimes I put my pants on and I make gold records. Yeah. It's like George and I put our pants on like not together. And uh, sometimes we just come up with a gold dish, you know. The Fargo Donut thing, like I found out after the fact that people had done it, but they just hadn't done it right. And they hadn't done it to a point where, you know, it went viral. And like, yeah, I mean, I can understand that idea of like, you know, food and music. People have done that and we actually were able to sell a TV show based off of it, but like a lot of ideas have been done. It's more in the execution. And yeah. Also, if it hits. Right. I mean, a, a great man, you know, Brandon Hoy said, ideas are the easy part. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. He said that just this morning and just, I couldn't help but agree. Yeah. But yeah, it's just how you go about it, you know? So like, for example, um, I would say that was the biggest thing that got his attention. You know, when we invented the deep fried deviled egg, it's because we had some deviled eggs sitting there and we threw them in the tempura batter why that's never been done before i don't know but now marketing deviled eggs as e666s that's just something that makes deviled eggs not sound like deviled eggs anymore yeah and when Wait. when people get hit with the joke that's how it is on the menu oh, okay e66s because so right, you know 666 not, is the number of the devil it looks like a type i'm yeah, trying to th- think of it in my head it looks like eggs <laughs> yeah. with an extra g in it but that was a concept George and I had a long time ago where we had like a deviled eggs restaurant. Think like, <laughs> think Dunkin' Donuts, you know? Right. Yeah. But all eggs. Basically, any, <laughs> how, many egg, how many eggs do you move a week? Oh, shit. A I don't lot. even want to talk about it, dude. Because I'm like the head egg cracker. Yeah. <laughs> I think basically it's safe to say that most of the menu items are based on potential restaurant ideas. <laughs> like, that's actually, let's do a fries but, restaurant. But actually, that's, that's really good. We've talked about that before. It's like Roberta's built on the pizza. The Frankie's have built on the meatball. And if you take this one product and build a restaurant around it, so if you take a bunch of restaurant-worthy ideas and put them on a menu, exactly. yeah. it should be pretty good. That's essentially it. But like, this is what I'm talking about in terms of that linguistic kind of approach. Yeah. It's like there's, we can't help ourselves with the puns. It's like no, but some I mean, people think it's cheesy, but we just – that's. I mean I, I, like, I, I've built a career on puns. I mean I yeah. really love it. And, and the thing that I like about puns is that if when they really work, uh, 
you know, and I guess there's like, it's just like anything, you know, there's a lot of really bad puns or bad ideas out there, but when you can find that sweet balance of it goes, oh, that's really clever, but oh wait, that's also really good. It makes it really enjoyable and from a marketing and branding point of view. Like that's how you get the word out. Um, I think you didn't you make us like a. You, I think you had a pickleback, a spherified yeah. pickleback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's th- like this is precisely it. Like the foie gras donut, the spherical back. Well, can you explain um, to people what it? The, okay, about like the rise yeah, of picklebacks and of and what you've done. Well, you know, from what I've learned about picklebacks is that they're actually much older than the fad would suggest they are. Oh, I'm they're, sorry, they they weren't created a year ago in yeah, Brooklyn. No, they I think they were not. created at the. Uh, Bushwick Country Club in 2006. <laughs> yeah, I think McClure's came in no, there and like, what are we going to do with all this extra juice? The thing is, though, is that it's actually much, much older than that. It's a it's a cowboy drink. Oh. And it's it's from their having to drink really, like, shit whiskey. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a proactive medicinal approach, like preventing a hangover. Yeah. And also just like, let's get the taste out of, of this as whiskey. As quickly as possible. Right. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, they've resurfaced as a as a massive fad here now, and we just figure it's a fad that kind of needs to be taken down a notch. So we decided to take it down a notch by elevating it a notch or two, by combining it with uh, molecular cuisine techniques. You know, it's reverse aw- gelification. It's, it's awesome. Well, it's just it's I, um because we went we were there with Matt and Kim, and I don't think and I've had that type of presentation before. Right. And if you don't know about how it's totally liquid on the inside. Right. Not like not like gummy liquid like it's straight up just liquid. Right. It's like it's like no put it in your like do not do like a half a bite thing or you're just gonna get it all down the front of yourself. Right. right. Uh, but to watch people do that and it was fun to do a shot of whiskey and then pop a sphere of pickle juice in the mouth and uh, for me the best way I yeah can... Archo's eyebrows it's good yeah it's surprisingly no, I'm, good. I, I'm wondering why you didn't bring any. Oh shit! Oh, they well, tra- shit. Because they travel. They, they do they travel. travel. I can well. put it. I can put it in a. So, I mean, so again, container. dude, that just means we have to go out there. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, I'm not. I don't think I had that way. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. I mainly react. No, right. First off, it's just day off. Yeah, and it was just an opportunity for him to say, "Well, now you got to come out here." Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're young restaurateurs. They <laughs> learn the tricks of the interview. So, so can we but, talk um, about which is probably one of like the biggest pivotal moments is when the New York Times mm-hmm. wrote about you guys. Which for me made me, first off, were the parents proud? Dude, my mom, like, I, like <laughs> she was like, scre- like screaming and not just like proud, but she's like, oh my God, like I'm from the sticks. Like Luke actually like comes from a long storied line of people doing things, <laughs> but like I'm from the sticks of like Maryland. And so like generally, like had I gone into the military and had a kid, she would have been like, yippee. You like, know? You, you, hey, you did it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like. You know, when, when it's like, yeah, these guys in the New York Times, she was just like freaking flabbergasted, you know? Yeah. We've always said that the way to really just, you know, confirm with your parents that you've made their decisions is get your name in the Times in a good way. Or the New Yorker. Oh, yeah. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We had both. Um, so how did, how, did that, how did that happen and were you guys surprised? We, the, the PR stuff is, is really old Justin here. It's, it's kind of, we owe it to Twitter, Facebook, and Justin's obsession with online social media. Well, you know, and it's... It's kind of amazing. It's not so much an obsession as just like I, I found out that it was pretty cool. Like I have these like little Twitter techniques. We don't have a ton of followers, but I just found that you can you can kind of infect people's lives with your your mind. It's like creeping in, you know, when you, they show up on your Twitter feed. So I don't know, but like one day I was just like I twittered to um what was it, Pete Wells, right? Mm-hmm. Before he was the NYT critic, I just like tweeted at him like, yo, we open. Literally, that's it. <laughs> and he's like, what? I was like, yeah, we're open. He's like, if you thought that was the way to go about, like, announcing to the Times that you're open, like, what would these $1,000, like, that are paid into PR firms do? And I'm like, well, there's a restaurant in Brooklyn that's hiring. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so he's like, all right, Flo Fab will be calling you in a couple. And then so that was where, how we announced our opening. Wow. Yeah, that was on and, our second day. Yeah, that was on our second day, and uh, well, you guys were, again. You guys were just the first people to. I'm sure people have tried that before, but you guys did it right. Yeah, well, I mean, when you have like scrappy kids, I I just envision that we were scrappy kids. I'm really quite svelte, but he's like <laughs> scrappy. I mean, we're kids. sitting across two six foot four just bronze gods. Here. <laughs> yeah. I, they they got six packs on six packs guns. That's how we roll in bed. Tell my wife. Yeah, <laughs> when they envision these scrappy kids, you know, in bed like what they're making a restaurant. It's called Do or Dine. You know, there's some something where you're like, huh? You know? Yeah, no. I mean, I saw that and I immediately went, 
I can't believe someone named the restaurant like a pun. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of puns, but it's usually, you know, like walk and roll. Yeah. Or something like that, you know, right. some like really terrible thing. Well, and and the name of the restaurants that's that's definitely all Justin because I remember when we were when I was talking to Perry about doing the restaurant, I was like, "Well, Justin, my friend, you know, he has a he has an idea to do a restaurant called Do or Dine in Bedstein. I think it's perfect." No, I think it's it perfect, like, especially for the area, especially because when we hear Bedstein, they have yeah. a a certain image of what Bedstein is, but it's not really that. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the disco ball and the soundtrack because uh, <laughs> those those two aesthetic elements definitely add to the overall experience well i guess i i'll talk about the soundtrack i mean if you want to talk about i mean the thing is is i'm not the hip-hop aficionado by any means uh justin schools me on a daily basis on really crappy (laughs) hip-hop but you know the thing is is that we it's it's part of not it's part of being aware of our neighborhood yeah not, not imposing a different kind of aesthetic on the neighborhood you know it's we're actually quite sensitive to it because we love that neighborhood. Yeah, we like, want to change it. No one like walks down the street bumping Peter Bjorn and John, you know, yeah. or uh, MGMT. It's just it, not happening unless they're sampled. Yeah, unless they're sampled. Yeah, Drake did that one. Thing. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. He he did that, and then uh, yeah, he I think Young Folks also got sampled too. Yeah, with Licky Lee, he did one. Too. Yeah, but that's fine. You but know? that's fine because that's you're still right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's but a, that's, that's where we're kind of like mashing, like you know, it's a metaphor for what you're doing. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean. I get, my mom's kind of like, wow, well, why is the music so loud? Well, mom, like, look around. We're in yeah. Bed-Stuy. Like, this is, like, someone consider, like, you know, kind of the unofficial home of hip-hop. Like, so why would we play anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're not going to open up a country bar in Bed-Stuy. We, no. we said that if my mom comes in, then just for her, we'd play some jazz, but the second she leaves... <laughs> you just got to find those rap songs that sample jazz. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what's coming up? You guys, I heard you guys are taking brunch and flipping it. Yeah, actually, you know, it's crazy. Uh, we got lucky enough to meet this cat, Nick Subic, who actually used to work here at Roberta's. And uh, he kind of just, like, it's so great. We're just so lucky to have people where we can say, look, this is our idea of how food should be. Like, can you run with it? And it's like getting a great, like, like a great writer on your team. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're, like, writing the Do or Dine show. And he's, like, just gets it you know he, he really assimilates our our vision extremely well like perfectly expressed by the one of the items which is a cold pizza terrine it's essentially exactly what we're after you know it replicates that experience but uh, that's so awesome it's, just, it's rare i mean yeah. it's 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 you know once you really get out there you realize that type of alliance and that same same thought process mm-hmm. is rare especially when you guys are doing something that's a little untraditional yeah yeah and, it's it's definitely been that's probably been the most challenging part about doing this restaurant is kind of staffing. You know, it's and I think that's with any restaurant. Yeah, but. I also think that we. I mean, we've always talked also talked about like Brooklyn workforce as far as like restaurants and like the type of restaurants that like here Roberta's, you know, Rye, Trafe, all the things versus like what comes with New York style and like trying to get people to be like, I know you're in Bedside, but like you really do need to like elevate that service to a certain mm-hmm. level and people like actually wanting to work that hard and care that much. That's that's when when we started this thing. One of the first things that we agreed on um, was we didn't want that kind of no lower jaw muscle type of service. You know, you like, know, like you can get a pizza if you want. I yeah, mean. like that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, we want like articulate, you know, knowledgeable, friendly servers. Yeah. But you know, just uh, on stuffy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they can still do things on their own terms, but still bring a love. Like you're in a service job. You don't you don't have to work here, but if you're gonna apply for this job, these are the requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, well, uh, we're about out of time. What? Yeah, it's almost. That done. was an hour. It was an hour. Yeah, Jack is nodding. It's <laughs> so yeah. much fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want, guys want to give us the social mind mind meld stuff? Oh, you mean like how to find us? Yeah. Uh, sure. Facebook.com slash do or dine. You can find us on Twitter at do underscore or underscore. Dine. Was Door Dine taken? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually by a company called Door Dine. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, but I, I didn't want uh, that to be the case anyway. Bummer. And then uh, you can find Luke. Uh, his is Coolest Hand, and I am Eat Fellow Humans. Uh, awesome. And um, Can I give one more shout out? Yeah. Brunch is Sundays only, 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, yeah, just give us the hours. Brunch. Yeah, late brunch. Late brunch. 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Brunch all day, no crying babies.
Oh, fair. Yeah. Very fair. We, uh, we did our brunch late for fellow travelers. And any shout outs to significant others? My girlfriend Brooke's pretty rad. My wife's hot. Okay, there it is. <laughs> wow, there it is. Um, so next week we. Did have Valentine's Day already happen? Because I just got pretty romantic up in here. <laughs> uh, next week we have um, Amr from Stereo Gum, who's going to be giving us a South by Southwest preview, and who's the cook? I think it's not. I think it's David Gelb, the uh, producer. Oh yeah, I, I think that's his name, David uh, Gelb. Jero uh, Dreams of Sushi, which is a fantastic documentary. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if you haven't seen, it's been wanting to see that. It's 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 probably one of the best. It'll go up there when people are like, oh, Ratatouille, Tampoco, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. G.R. Sushi will be one of the best Sweet. food movies. Thanks for listening to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace out. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.